All right, my fellow cavemen, let's get back in the cave. We got to get back in and we got to huddle. Things are feeling weird. I don't know what's going on right now. I've been tracking that star in the sky. Come on over here, guys. Over here, plays with self, rock thrower. Come on over. We're getting back in the cave. That star in the sky was doing a, like a weird loop-de-loop -loop over the last month. Went all retrograde. And we got to collectively withdraw and get back in the cave. Okay? Good man. Plays with self. I see you. Rock thrower. <sighs> Get back in the cave, rock thrower, you fucking dickhead. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and so every single one of our podcasts starts out. Hi, hi. Can you hear me? So funny. Okay. <laughs> So today's topic, check yourself before you wreck yourself, where this is to say the shadow that's in the collective and the pullback from the shadow, everybody walking in this ignorance is bliss type bubble. What's happening is that disassociation is causing people to have this parroting effect where they're just parroting, repeating, having no idea what they're saying, a narrative that they've either heard that they may find interesting or what they've heard or been witnessing or exposed to. And that check yourself before you wreck yourself is, are you parroting or are you really believing the shit that's coming out of your mouth? Everyone's yeah. going to pull the fuck back and look at themselves. and be like, mm, am I a spitting narrative which is propelling? Or am I truly believing because I'm using my discernment and critical thinking? Yeah, for sure. So yes. I have a story that happened to me a while back that I think really sort of reflects what, what we're talking about here and that I'd like to share. So when I got home from the Philippines in 2009-ish, there I was sort of getting back on my feet. You know, there was the, the whole recession. I, mean, I talked about why I went to the Philippines and all that stuff. So, so I was kind of a bar fly at this local bar where I, I went like most nights of the week I would hang out there and so I became friends with the other regulars that were there so you know we had Obama in office at that time and so I was there with uh, a friend of mine who's very very Republican and then two uh, this one regular who I became close friends with because he he was almost a professional hockey player and he played hockey in South Korea for a long time and I had laid over in South Korea. So him and I became close talking a lot about being over in, in Asia. And then another regular and his wife. And so Scott was very Republican. The other regular was very Republican and his wife was, was very liberal and which I think is very cool. But we were having a discussion about politics and there was a lot of parroting back a narrative going on in that conversation. And you know me, like a two-party system is bizarre to my way of thinking. So so I don't I don't really consider myself either. I, I think there's more dimensions than that. So you know I stand somewhere, you know, right. outside of the periphery. So there, we're having this conversation, a lot of the stuff that was being said back then by Republicans, oh, you know, Obama wasn't born in this country. Like a lot of that sort of narrative stuff was was being repeated. And and this guy, Scott, who's like so 
like just so conservative, make your head spin. And he, he said, well, it's tough. He said, because what's tough about this situation and that we have in this country is like, for example, everyone deserves to eat, right? Like to be able to eat and have water. Everyone should deserve that, right? And, and should deserve some kind of shelter so that they don't freeze to death in the winter, that they can stay warm and survive. Everyone deserves that, right? And would, would anyone argue with that? And so, oh my God, the, the other guys that were there were like confounded. They were like, wait, are you being serious? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm being serious. I'm asking the question. And, and so it, it sort of challenged them because they knew where he was going. So they were like, uh, yeah, I guess. And he said, yeah, I mean, short of being incredibly unlucky or, or doing something incredibly stupid, uh, we shouldn't live in a place. America shouldn't be a place where, where people can just starve to death and, and freeze to death and, and, and it's okay for no one to offer them any kind of help. That, that shouldn't be how we live. But it's a slippery slope. And, and he was like, and this is why he, he said that he was conservative, was, was that when you start saying, okay, so people deserve this, we should set aside our money to help people with that. And what else, what else should people have? and deserve and what else should we set aside more money for he said it can get in his opinion way too far way too fast and it completely completely disrupted the flow of conversation where everyone was enjoying echoing the things that they'd heard on fox news the last <laughs> and and then they were forced to actually think about it. and i it it stuck with me like obviously like where I'm remembering this now, like 15 years later, I remember that conversation very clearly because he demonstrated his ability to say, well, wait a minute, I see and hear what I'm being, what I'm being told and what's happening and, and all of that. And never mind the whole, the whole fear process and the, and in the collective that was contributing to that, he hears what's being said, but what, what does he actually think about it? And saying, I'm not just absorbed into one voice. I have my own voice and am going to say what I find to be challenging about this from the way that I see it and not just be a parrot. And of course, he didn't say that, but that's what he demonstrated. And I, people, I, you don't see p people do that often enough, in my opinion, in conversation. I couldn't agree more. I feel like where we are right now with everything you just said, the, the sort of darkness that's in the collective and, and the things going on in the world, inflation, all of that, that, that there's this pullback, this energetic retreat into the back of the cave, right? For safety. And it's easy to take the first thing that comes along that makes sense out of something that we can't make sense out of that we haven't been able to make sense out of yet and, and latch on to that. That's human nature. I don't fault anyone for doing that, but I think ideally the process should not stop there. while we're pulled back. 
how can we use what we do know to draw meaningful conclusions by meaningful, I mean, based on your own experiences, you feel and what, and what you think versus grabbing a narrative that is easy to fucking regurgitate. Yeah. It's easy to regurgitate. (laughs) And that's, that's part of the problem is it's like, here, we found this quick fix sedative. Um, set of words yeah. that emotionally satisfying to people. And but that would- most people, you'll be able to have a conversation and everyone's so disconnected, they're looking for connection. All they want to do is have a conversation, even if it's with something they don't even know about. Yeah. This goes back to the episode with Nick when he was talking about, if you ever want to challenge an expert, ask them to talk more about it. Mm-hmm. Ask them questions about it. Yep. Ask them questions that if you're an expert, you can know the answers to. Most of the time when you're sitting with an expert, you find out that you may be more educated in the very thing you're sitting in front of that person for. Yeah. It's like challenging with questions, which is like that conversation that you shared. Yes. Challenging that status quo, challenging that narrative, bringing up some And challenging themselves. We're in this moment right now with the collective where like we were really hitting a trajectory of people doing some work, doing some inner work, clearing some space out, whether that was relationships work situations, you know, living situations. We were going to a trajectory where people were really finding personal empowerment, moving forward. And over the last, no surprising, two years, um, the collective has really shifted. And we're at this state right now where the collective is holding a steady amount of fear. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress when we fail into the collective. We're looking for the collective vibration to be at a certain level for most things over like a 15, 30 day period. And we have shifted where those most days were really empowered to fear. And I mean, fear, fear, even fear worse than the beginning of 2020. And that's the collective shadow that's holding everybody into that parody mode, if you will. How are you gonna think for yourself when you're in fucking complete fear and override our thinking centers when we're in fear so fear for me is facing everything and running or facing everything and rising and so the collective was using fear as a tool for rising and now it's an imprisonment tool you know of of running and everyone's running in like all different directions and bumping into each other if that makes any sense fucking chaos so the only way we stop that and the only way we get back to that feeling of rising and fe- of using fear as fuel and facing everything and rising is to stop, face what it is we're, we're resisting within our own life, see where we can better ourselves, what we're pouring into ourselves, what we're pouring into our lives, our community, our families, and start taking back control that way. Because this external fear and trying to, you know, with the elections coming up and fear of sicknesses and what do you mean you didn't get your second booster and whatever this is that is causing the division and fear that suppresses your immune system and it suppresses the collective consciousness and we are all being sucked into sludge so like yeah i expect everybody to take this fucking seriously i really do yeah <laughs> i'm not oh gee this is like the tough love that i was telling you about earlier yep <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's important and it's not easy. And I know, I, I ta- at least I talk about this a lot. I've probably talked about it several times on the podcast, but the whole Carl Jung idea of getting 
control over or comfort in an area that you, you have a lot of discomfort or anxiety around. The fastest way to do that in 99% of the time is to turn around and confront exactly what you're running from. And so who the fuck wants to do that? <laughs> right? No, for real. With the amount that sucks. Not going there. And then you feel like you you know you're wasting that. There's all this, you know, momentum and, and build up. That's not an easy thing to do, but we really only can be accountable for our ourselves. So if you want to make a change of a greater impact, you, that's where you have to start, right? And I'm singing Michael Jackson's band in the mirror. Everyone's over <laughs> right after this podcast. Everyone listens to Michael Jackson's man in the mirror, right? Isn't that the, yeah. like, the best synopsis song right now? Totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this like tough love, by the way, this is like what I've been struggling with hardcore is the last like two weeks has been like, are you going to fucking shit? Like, piss in the pot or get off you know what i'm saying like what are you doing and it's been you know i like to be more nurturing softer with my delivery it's bizarre and i'm like okay i don't like this just not me so it's been this really intensity it's coming through now everybody wants something different we're all looking for the same thing nobody wants to feel this anymore the inflation the separation the sickness the illness the the right versus wrong the left versus right and it feels like it's so far away from us. Like, oh my God, how are we going to get there? Look at the world right now. Where are places I want you to zoom out? This is the place I want you to zoom in. Yeah, These because it's too complex. Up. You can't yeah. do it from the macro level. Yes, our nature as humans is we, we, want us, we want to be able to take any discomfort or anything that we, we don't like. And we want to be able to say, okay, my problem is this. What I would like it, my situation to be is this. And what I think I need to do to get there or will need help with to get there is this. Yeah. And you cannot do that from the macro scale. You have to zoom down into the micro of in your day-to-day -day and in your own head. You have to break your large problem of, quote, the world today mm -hmm. down into smaller, more manageable problems. To my world today. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. For me, it's all the changes that I'm going through and my growing pains, it's been a huge detachment of plugging into places where you really weren't making a difference and taking accountability that you like you were pouring into places that really didn't matter and that were like sucking your power. Mm. And sometimes that comes from a really humbling space. Like you gotta be, eat some humble pie and be like, oh, okay. Just because you've been pouring into this cup doesn't mean you, you continue to. And pulling your, you know, your energy back, it's a really hard process because it requires nothing but full accountability. Yeah, I don't know if you realize how incredibly strong a parallel this is to what we're talking about on this podcast, but... No, do it. Fucking spit so, it. Let's hear it. Because, well, I, from what you said, I can't even talk. <laughs> what you said, we might not even publish that episode, but what, what, you, what you said, what essentially, and what you did through the process of, of processing the cult stuff was, I mean, you 
went into the people and in the media who are pushing that cult and looked at it from their perspective of, well, are some of these things actually concerning and culty, right? And that's exactly the work we, we were talking about at the beginning of, of this podcast is, yes, you know why you feel the way you feel on, on issues that are a big in the shadow and, and causing a lot of fear in the, in the collective right now. But c- could you argue the other side? Because that's what you did. Really, Michelle, that's what you did when, when you were confronting the, the cult stuff. And, and if, it, but you need to, you need to believe it. You need to actually believe it because if you don't believe it, then you can't really accurately see where the weaknesses in that argument are. You have to find the things on the other side of the argument than where you actually stand that you could actually buy into and really look at it that way. And then you see, then you get the real naked picture of where the weaknesses are, both in your argument and in the other side's argument. And now you are significantly closer to your truth on the matter, which is the only thing that should matter and what you should be acting on and what you should be speaking on. So what are you feeling, Akashic-wise, dude? Remember when I said to you, my guides have been giving me wicked lame, like, updates for the year? They used to go in it, right? Mm-hmm. Be like, six pages, awesome. Super awesome to share. This one's was, in like a lamb, out like a lion. And I'm like, fuck, man, we kind of, it's in its intense. Anything that you see in the pipeline that's coming, and what do you see on the other end of that birthing, if you will? I like in like a lamb and out like a lion. And we're definitely in like a lamb right now. Yeah. Collective wise. So it's funny. That's how that was represented to you. And to me, I am into like investing and in, in the, in the market. And there's a term in, in the stock market in investing when, when things start to crash or, or, or not look good. Like we're, we're not going to be having an, any good high, you know, prices. We're in a bear market. For a while, there's a term HODL, H-O-D-L, which stands for hold on for dear life. And <laughs> I'm like, that's what everyone's energetically doing. We're all hodling right now. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. Dear life and riding it out. And that's fine as like a reptilian brain reaction, like for a second until you, we can cognitively process it. But then, so an example at work, We've been five days a week from home since COVID. And recently I was meeting with my team and having one-on-ones and everyone on my team is still for the record over the table that they want to maintain the five day a week from home schedule. But during one-on-ones have said, Hey, it would be really cool if there was like an optional come in the office day and maybe we all like chipped in and got pizza and hung out and because we haven't seen each other for two years, but they didn't want to bring that up in front of the group. And then now we have to go back in the office because of so-and-so, right? And be responsible for that. But there was this beginning of a, a shift with where many people on the team didn't want to relinquish their 
their right for something. Mm -hmm. They wanted to maintain control over going into the office and not have it dictated to us how that's going to happen. Sure. Wanted to add that back into the equation. And the vibe that I got from that, those conversations that I was having and the, the insights and I would even say courage it took to bring that up to me is what the swing on the other end of this feels like in the collective. Does that make sense? Or it makes perfect sense to me, but uh, it might make zero sense to you. <clears throat> no, it makes sense to me. It totally makes okay. sense to me. How cool are you as a boss? I just need to say. I was just like sitting here thinking of all the times that I was in corporate America. And I know tech, I don't think what you do is corporate America. But yeah, cause it, 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 is it? It's well, no, it's the public sector. So I know, but it's like, right. it's the, but, but for like the cliche purpose. Right? Yeah, right. Yep. So to have a conversation with your boss, like I'm thinking of the times where I worked at like all these really big companies. That conversation would never happen. The work, your productivity and the morale will go up so high if they have that option of like having a day. What did you say? One day a week or one day a month? I was going to do one day a month. I love that because that's even better. Yeah. Right. And, and so there's that like positive aspect of it and, awesome. and, but it sucks all the life out of it when it becomes a, a, a mandate. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be a mandate, Like you guys. No, I can, I can enact that and okay. I, and I'm planning on it. Okay. Clark Kent, like stop it. You dork here. It's <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> like I can't, you're Tony to me and Anthony everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! When you start talking, you're like I can act. I'm like, who are you? Oh God! Carrot rips on me so bad. For <laughs> oh my God! I, can't I don't know game. that I'm doing it, and and then she's she. I'll be like talking on the phone, like in the car on the way to pick up my daughter from daycare, <laughs> and then I'll just be talking, and then she'll echo something I say. Due diligence. <laughs> Tony, when you talk, I can't stay on track when you talk about your job because I, I feel like I don't. I'm like, who is this person? For the first time I ever got to feel what that was like, that massive shift. I don't even remember what we were talking about. It's fucking intense. We we're on the phone for hours. And you're like, all right, I got to go. I got to go brief the state of Massachusetts. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because I was energetically in it with you. And then to hear you say that, and you were like, yeah, it's like five minutes. I'm like, you're going to do that in five minutes? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good luck. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just, it was It was like the state police. The right, was like, fuck you. Like, dirty, yeah. <laughs> like, ID network shit. You were like, cool, I got to go. And I was like, oh. Uh, so nice to meet you, Anthony. It's Tony there. <laughs> right. Ah. Uh, yeah, this fucking blows my mind. Then I'll start giggling like later on. It'll be hours later, like days later. And DJ's like, what the hell are you laughing? I'm like, Tony Clark again. I'm mm. doing the dishes and all of a sudden I like get that feeling of like, Tony like legit is probably talking in front of the mayor right now. And he and I were just talking to a fucking aliens and like detention. <laughs> yeah. Literally three minutes ago. Ah. Fucking love it. That energy right there, that that laugh, that's what I miss. Our shit yeah. has been heavy. Yeah. But, yep. And because the collective's been heavy, I'm like, I'm glad to be able to create the container for conversation, but man, everyone's gonna lighten the fuck up. Beard in yeah. the mean, be scared. 
we're going to face everything and rise. We've been through it like laughing, having fun, looking. I look at life like a comic strip sometimes. I model raising my vibration by looking at intense situations in life as if it's a Sunday funny. Because they would just take life situations and put a spin on it. That's all it was. Yeah. This makes me feel like a tool that maybe everyone can use. Look at your shit like a comic strip. What part of your life would make the best for your weekly Sunday funny? And then review it as such and laugh about it. Even just this whole podcast is going to have you and I fucking giggling and laughing like crazy. And I think that shit's contagious. Laughing yeah. contagious. And I don't know if people have got the full effect of how funny we really are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we, uh, there is a whole other aspect of just complete comedian, but I think you just need people in front of you for that. I don't know. I don't know why that doesn't come out as often on the podcast as it does in real life. Uh, True. Even, I don't even know if it does in real life sometimes. I feel like even at like retreats, we have to be like a certain fucking way, you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but neither here nor there. So back to the collective shadow, which I feel like we've all just exposed. Which is like right. shadow is just something that we are running from. And it's casting a shadow in front of us. So it looks fucking huge. We've talked about this before. But yep. when you turn around and you look at it, it's like the size of a Lego that had a spotlight behind it. And the reason it looks so big is because you were running from it. The further away you got, the bigger it became. And it was like, we, that is tiny. Yeah. We're, I think we're collectively just face the fact that collectively we're in a shadow. And what can we do to get out of that is not identify with our storyline, not observe things as right or wrong, take your power back and stop giving it away to situations, people, places, and things, and start evaluating. Take severe inventory of where you're lacking accountability and where you are placing the worth of who you are or the decisions that you're going to make in someone else's lap. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about what I was talking to you about with what my grandfather instilled me about us. Oh, God, I got to get goosebumps. I got to sit back down. Right? About, you know, we say, you don't have to be afraid of the dark, to, you know, to our kids. And, and there's nothing that that can hurt you. And, and that's not exactly, well, we, yes, we want to, to take care of our, our youth, and, and protect them and, and want them to feel safe, but that's not necessarily accurate. And, and that in my grandfather's words, like we're, we're afraid of the dark because we've been wired that way for 30,000 years of evolution. And we're afraid of the dark because there are things in the dark that can hurt you. But using my grandfather's words, you're a Restaino and you can handle them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And that's basically like remember who you are, Ben. Yeah, right. And that's exactly it. That that when you're putting it in someone else's lap, like you said, you're relinquishing your ability to handle it. Right? Yeah. Who would agree? Anyways. I want to give an example. This whole tough love thing started because I had a client and, and he needed me. And I kind of like a lover's quarrel. There was things going on. This has been this repetitive cycle that he faces with the person that he is involved with. And it was like, well, now she left. Now I don't know where we stand and I don't know what she feels about me. And I don't know where I am in life. I'm like, uh, yeah, you do. I'm like speaking loud and clear. He just ghosted you again. And like, is like holding like, 
sexual because there was a lot of sexual suppression in this person and so he'll like send him nudes or sexy videos or keep him on the hook with that stuff but emotionally physically life-wise everything we're talking years relationships you know and it's level of oh well i don't i i don't know where i am and where i stand i don't know what's going i don't know what our relationship is she hasn't told me like is she out of this is she in this and i'm like you should be asking yourself that question Stand. If you know that you fucking stand, you're just hoping that she changes it in her mind. This is the level of accountability that I'm talking about and where right. your power is. If you are like, we know we wait for somebody else to make the decision because then we can, if it should, it's the fans say, well, I did this because I'm out. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's a very human thing to do. People don't like to define what they want mm -hmm. because then if they don't get it, they fail. Yep. Yep. They fail. Yes. If someone else defines it for them, then there's a dispersal of, of accountability. Oh yeah. And we love that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so when we're like, Hey, this is what you need to do. It's not easy to take <clears throat> accountability, especially over narratives that we've been identifying with for like ever or changes that we need to make that we just want to deflect on somebody else because there's so much fear attached to it that if it should go wrong, because God forbid we focus on it going right, we're going to deflect accountability. So we, again, don't have to, one, take control. Two, we're used to being in a powerless state, so we continue to make them. This is mm -hmm. getting yourself stuck off of a loop. It's, it's, it's just this, like, that's accountability. That's hard. I'm not saying that because it's simple. Oh, it's accountability and it's full accountability. That's a simple task, but not easy to do. Right. So it's ex it's exponentially hard to take accountability for yourself. We're not hardwired to do that. In fact, society has very well taught not to. Oh, place it on this. Here's your victim card. Everyone has one. Some of us have more than one. Just place it on that. You don't have to take accountability and everyone will feel bad for you. Like, yeah. you know, like. Dude, I don't want anyone feeling bad for me. I'll tell you that much. I used to, not knowing that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Knowing that if people had pity, then you, and it was okay for you to be seen or sadness is okay to be seen. I want to be seen because of empowerment. Taking your power back is so you can redefine what you want your life to look and feel like. You're needing yeah. for circumstances, experiences, people, and places to change. It's not, that's not how it works. It's the mirror. You wait for the reflection, smile. Take that power back, bitch. Take it back. That's just like everyone's number one thing right now. I don't know why that no one's like taking that and be like, this is my number one priority in life right now is where am I displacing my personal power and how the fuck can I take it back? Yeah. You don't feel like you can take it back in physical situations in your life. Take it back like this. You go to sleep at night, say this. I release what is no longer serving me. It was not mine to begin with. I call back all the energy that I have given out that was not received, that was repented, that was, uh, that was repelled, that was ridiculed that is no longer needed i call that back and i also in its place give back any energy that i have not been able to receive that i have been using for not good intentions purposes whether conscious or unconscious that i take all of that and i take that back as well and then you release what's not serving you and you allow the energy to be cleansed that's one of the it's going to take you 10 seconds like that's the way to do it without having to be like well really got to figure out this 
experience in my life because it's taking my power. Sometimes we get to start really small. So maybe that's your first step. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because you're because you have to start small. Doing one little thing like that every day builds a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Now, after not very many days of doing that, you are now someone who has hardwired that intention into yeah. who you are. It yeah. quickly becomes a habit of thinking that way. And then when it becomes a habit of thinking that way, it, it will start coming out in the way you act and interact. And then it's it's a positive domino effect. So I love that you gave that very easy to do yeah. starting point. Yeah. yeah. People don't like the fact that we're conditioned, but we're conditioned. And the fact that we are easily conditioned and programmed means that we can program ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, the world around us is going to do it. And that is one easy way to do it. Another one is like uh, um, uh, affirmations. And so my like close inner circle of like people like Star and Christy, I'm talking about you bitches. <laughs> the manifestors, like the affirmations are like, I am wealthy. I am healthy. I'm rich. I am that bitch. It doesn't need to be. I welcome abundance. It can be funny. It can be lighthearted. It can be something that you know you giggle about because if you can send that affirmation with an emotion you know hyperspeed that it's not supposed to feel believable when you're like i'm a magnet for abundance and you don't have money and you're like struggling like oh it doesn't feel real you're not waiting for it to feel real you're what you're you're saying it because you know that you're worthy of it yep and the more and more you think it the more and more the subconscious builds you know those neural pathways start building from those um neuropeptides and before you know it your physical brain waves, your physical neuropathway of this belief has now oozed into the metaphysical, to the other parts that are us, the emotional body and spiritual body and uh, uh, ethers and goes on and on and on. And now you're a vibrational match for what you seek. So spiritual hijack yourself, do it. You can do these things. You can do and, and bring big change in little ways. With the tough love sessions have come with me saying like, um, <clears throat> this isn't supposed to feel believable. Like it shouldn't feel, it, it, because maybe you haven't done these things before You do them anyway. And maybe it doesn't feel like it's going to do anything because it's so simple. It doesn't feel believable. Do it anyway. You're going to prove yourself right or wrong. And either I'm going to look like I have a tinfoil hat on, or you're going to be like, oh my God, this is all energy. <laughs> yes. So prove us right or wrong and just try it. See if those little tidbits help you along your way. I think everybody has forgot that spiritual hygiene is necessary. I don't think anybody's doing it. Do what do you yeah. do your spiritual hygiene practice? I feel like that's like we're exposing that we're like, so what do you do in the shower? That's what I feel like I'm asking right, right now. <laughs> that's funny because there as a Reiki master, there's the Reiki shower. It's yeah, called I, I and uh, <laughs> yeah. So so that's uh a daily part of my routine is the is the physical energy working quick, physical energy working exercises, grounding, you know, we need grounding. Big time. <laughs> so I have like one very special crystal to me and, and some um, quick meditative things that I do for grounding. And then at night I have a routine that I go through every night of, well, gratitude, but before, even before that, 
like, I think I've, I may have told you this, that I call my bedroom the beach house. And it's because don't come into the bedroom and say, well, we got up tomorrow. We got to do this, this, and that and fucking fucked up day today. And it's going to be a fucked up day tomorrow. Like, no, we're on vacation when, when we're in the room that we're going to sleep in. All of that can be literally right outside the door. As soon as we step outside the door in the morning, we can start doing that. But, but that needs to be uh, a sacred space for my gratitude thing to work. I can't have the rat wheel going around in my head and being like, I'm fucking grateful for this. You know, <laughs> like yeah. <that>. yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, and of course, like, I also criticize myself that I could have better spiritual hygiene, but that's just how I'm wired. Like yeah. you always could be better. Yeah. It's, you know, are, are you doing what, what you, you reasonably can? Wow. Okay. So in theory, how long does your spiritual practice take you on the daily? If you were going to take like a numerical time frame. Of those practices, I know they're not all happening at the same time. But like, how long do you think that takes you out of your day for your spiritual hygiene? So understanding that there's days where my spiritual hygiene is to get me to a place. And, and so sometimes it can take longer to get to that place. And so understanding that and going on the average, I would say like 10, 10 minutes in the morning and probably 10, about 10 minutes at night. And then maybe one or two, maybe one or two, five minutes, um, uh, like um, stepping out, stepping back and having a quick meditation to get myself centered during the day if needed. But so, uh, but I would call it 20 to 25 minutes. So that is you in the beginning of your spiritual journey. Was it that long? I'm trying to show people and you're giving such great examples of how you, what your routine is. That I, I'm expecting you to sit in this for 25 minutes. I'm expect you know what I'm saying? Like if you can, that's amazing. But like yeah. in the beginning, how long? Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, it was more like a minute or two to, to push things, you know, push things away and get into like a meditative, meditative state, a minute or two to, to focus on my intention. Uh, and then honestly, I didn't give myself much of a down, maybe probably a 10 second ring. Early on. Yeah. Um, just being brutally honest with myself, but <laughs> that was how it started. I did, you know, I got to, to doing what I do today from just making sure that like I did enough that it wasn't nothing. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I did enough. So it wasn't nothing that is going to be so doable for people. Mm -hmm. We're all like scattered and detached. All of that. Like, I love that whole thing. Just buttons that up so beautifully. Um, for me, there's a lot of my, what I call beginning practices that I have to bring into play sporadically and, and sprinkled out throughout my journey. You'll hear me say it, say like, oh my God, keep it simple, stupid, or like bring it back to basics, like spirituality 101, like 
sometimes I get so overwhelmed with feeling like, oh, well, I've been on this trajectory. I've been meditating two hours a day. Now I can't fucking do it. That like I resist because I'm not where I was and I resist where I'm going because per usual, I start to overcomplicate. I start to feel like I need to get to this different proverbial level of something. So I, I sprinkle my spiritual hygiene back into, you know, the shower, right? Being hyper-present in that shower, the rinsing away water, feeling it, rinsing and cleansing the chakras and going into the drain and Mother Earth transmuting in and things like that, bringing back, and that is super grounding in and of itself, but bringing that cleansing, cleansingness into it. Uh, and slowing down uh, this is gonna sound silly but i'll brush my teeth with my left hand because i'm right-handed and i'll be hyper focused and while i'm brushing my teeth i picture scrubbing all the energy i close my eyes i'm using my non-dominant hand and i picture scrubbing as i'm brushing my teeth my energy field the energy that's not serving the people that are sending not such nice energy at the people that are, you know, just cleansing that and really scrubbing at the stains that perhaps are still there from the times where I wasn't impeccable with my routine, which I'm not. I'm not impeccable with my routine. I try to be, but I'm fucking human. And when I know that I should sit longer, I don't. I'll be like, oh, oh, it's clean the fucking closet. Oh, really? Is that what you should do right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm not impeccable with shit like that, but it is important that we look at ourselves as human and do what we can do. Did I ever tell you about, I was at, I was at a convention for work and the, one of the keynote speakers that they got was this, this motivational guy. And, and uh, he was talking about how he had a client that he was like, uh, I don't know, coach or therapist or something for, and he, and the client, he said, told him that he goes, he, that for the last week and for this next week, he's going to the gym and he's going for five minutes a day. He can't stay there longer than five minutes. He sets a timer. And then after five minutes, he, 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 he leaves and gets in his car and drives. So the guy was like, why, why would you do that? And he said, well, because I have a long history of going to the gym two or, or three days in a row or a week and getting really good workouts in and then never going back. He said, and so I'm, I'm holding myself to the five minutes so for that point, when I hit that point where I don't want to go back, I know I, I only have to go in for five minutes and I'll do it because he said, I need to show myself that I'm the type of person who goes to the gym every day and not hang it on how good of a workout I, I've had there. I can't do that until I'm the type of person. Who goes to the gym? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <I> keep going. <laughs> um, so that was a revelation for this keynote speaker. And I think it's a good summary of what we're talking about where, where doing 
something that, that's not enough. Uh, and doing it repeated, doing what you can, can do in a sustainable way becomes, will become a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it will be easier and more enjoyable to expand upon. Right. Me every day, I have to pull myself to go into the gym. I have to pull myself to go into the, like to work out. And <clears throat> I always say to myself, like Pilates, I'll never miss. Sometimes I have to, but I try never to miss that. But my daily workouts that I have to hold myself accountable that I'm not going to somebody to help me with. I say to myself, even if it's 10 minutes, after 10 minutes, if you don't want to be doing what you're doing, you don't have to. And there's only been like a few times where I've ever done that. But it's that yeah. consistency of showing up. Because for me, I've always uh, identified with, through my programming was with a all or nothing attitude. It was like, I have to be like 100% or 0%. And there was like nothing in between. And I realized that you don't have to have perfection every day. You do not need to be a level of perfection. You have to be a level of consistency. And that goes with accountability. That goes with shifting where your power is. That goes with seeing where you can pour into your own life and therefore pulling back and pouring into the collective when, and listen, everybody listening to this podcast, you all have a little bit of a tinfoil hat in your back pocket. Like <laughs> you guys aren't like society soldiers. We all have a little bit of that knowingness that we have way more power than we've been led to believe. And so I'm just asking everybody to remind themselves of that power and use it. Oh, it's 11-11. I love it. That's what happens. Yep. Yeah.